Hey, welcome to the podcast for Scotts Hill Baptist Church. We hope this message helps you discern what is true, what is right, and what is good. The message you're about to listen to was given at our men's night event, where men from our church and community gathered together for some good food, sang a few songs, threw axes, chipped some golf balls, and were encouraged as you're about to be in the Word of God. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, men, it's great to have all of you here tonight. In case some of you don't know who I am, first of all, I want to say thank you for all those who were first-time guests with us. We're so glad that you're able to join us. I can't see a person out there right now uh, because of the lights, but we're glad that you're here. Thank you for coming. We hope that this has been an enjoyable time for you as men have been able to get together. My name is Phil Ortigo. I serve as the senior pastor here at Scotts Hill, and it's a pleasure to serve so many wonderful men in the life of our church. You know, when we do men's ministry, a lot of times we want to do manly things. And as I was thinking about tonight, just sharing with you real brief, I know that it's after 8 o'clock, so I'm not going to take a long time. But I just want to encourage you with a few words tonight. I'm, I'm reminded of a story of an old mountain man. I mean, this guy was tough. He was rough. He was rugged. He had, he had the respect of all the other mountain men. The Indians on that mountain would not even mess with him. He was so bad. And people just stayed away from him. And because he was so tough, he trapped on his own. He never had a partner. He did everything by himself. Well, one night after a day of trapping, he had made a, a fire. And he had the fire going. And on that fire, he had a pan that was frying up bacon with the grease. And on the other side, he had a hot pot of coffee that he was brewing. And everything was really hot. It was quiet. He was hearing the crackling of the fire. Not afraid of anybody because nobody would mess with this guy. Then all of a sudden, out of the bushes, he can hear this noise coming toward him. And all of a sudden, in the middle of his campsite, comes this incredibly big mountain man on the back of a grizzly bear. In one hand, he had an axe, and I'm sure he could hit that target. And in the other hand, he had a rattlesnake. He jumps off the bear, takes the axe, hits it into the tree, bites the head off of the rattlesnake, punches the grizzly, knocks him out cold walks over there to that skillet with bacon and grease and just grabs it, eats the bacon, drinks the grease, throws it down, grabs that pot of coffee and just downs it, throws it down, wipes off his beard, grabs that grizzly, slaps him, wakes him up, gets on the back of the grizzly, and he looks at this mountain guy and he says, hey man, I'm sorry to eat and run, but I'm in a hurry. He said, you know, there's this really bad dude chasing me. Now, the thing is this, we always measure our badness next to somebody else's badness. And there's always somebody that is really bad and really tough. I want to talk to you tonight about a guy in the Bible who's that kind of guy. I mean, this guy that I'm going to talk to you about tonight, you've not really heard his story in the Sunday school class. Sunday school teachers don't really talk about this guy. You've not heard his story in a vacation Bible school. Children in, who put on these little skits of different characters in the Bible never act this guy out because he was bad. I mean, he was a tough guy. He, he would be kind of like in, a, in the group with Attila the Hun, maybe, you know, a, a number of really bad guys throughout history. And uh, this is a tough guy. And this is a guy that, I mean, you didn't, you didn't mess with this guy. If you crossed him, you would pay with your life. And he always paid in red because he would take people's lives. Nobody messed with this guy. 
His name is Manasseh. And Manasseh was a king of Judah. And Manasseh was a guy who was raised in a godly home. His dad was Hezekiah, who was a great godly king. But Manasseh didn't want anything to do with God. He had an ungodly hatred towards God. He had an ungodly hatred towards people of God. And he had an ungodly hatred towards the law of God. He could not stand spiritual things. He was one of these guys that nobody messed with. I want to share with you a little bit about his life. The reason I want to share with you about Manasseh tonight is even though this guy was bad and he reigned for over 50 years, at the end of his life, he had a transformation. At the end of his life, he made a 180 degree turn. And even though the beginning was lousy, he ended with a strong race. We find his story in 2 Kings, in 2 Kings chapter 21. I just want to read a couple of pieces, give you a picture of this guy, what he was like. When he was 12 years old, he became the king of Judah. How many of you have 12-year-olds? Can you imagine your 12-year-old running a nation, much less your own house? I mean, 12 years old, he is the king of Judah. He reigned for 55 years. There were no term limits in this day. Um, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that Hezekiah his father had destroyed. He erected altars for Baal and made Asherah, which is Baal is a, a male deity. Asherah is a female deity. And he erected these in all of the places. He also um, built altars in the house of the Lord of which the Lord had said, in Jerusalem, I will put my name. And he built altars for all the hosts in heaven, two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his son in a fire. In those days, they worshiped the God of Moloch. And what they would do is they would create a fire so hot that they would actually throw their children into the fire, the firstborn, as a sacrifice. I mean, this guy was really, really pagan. And he goes on and he says, and he carved images to Asher and he put them in the house of the Lord. And it goes on that he said that, um, and uh, he led them astray to do more evil than the nations had done um, whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. So this guy was so wicked, so bad, and he put so many innocent people to death. Manasseh is the guy who Christian history tells us who took Isaiah the prophet, put him in a log, and had him sewn in half. I mean, this guy was ruthless. He was bloodthirsty. He was the most rebellious king who ever lived in the tribe of Judah. And then the Lord brings his judgment on them. And he says that God is going to take him away. And it says, moreover, Manasseh said, more innocent blood then had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. And it says, the chapter ends, and Manasseh slept with his fathers, was buried in the garden of his house, in the garden of Uzzah, and Ammon his son reigned in his place. Now, when you read that story in 2 Kings, you don't get the full picture. But if we go to 2 Chronicles, we find the rest of the story. In 2 Chronicles chapter 33, this is what happened. 
The Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they paid no attention. Therefore, the Lord brought upon them the commandments, the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria, who captured Manasseh with hooks and bound him in chains of bronze and brought him to Babylon. And when he was in distress, he entered, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God, and he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. He prayed to him, and God was moved by his. In, um, his cry and heard his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Now, I want to just tell you just a couple of points about this incredible story. The reason I'm sharing this story with you is every one of us can be like a Manasseh. We can have times in our lives where we drift from God and maybe for some of us, the beginning part of our days have been a lot of struggles. And then maybe we see that God has worked in our lives and there are some differences that God is doing and taking um, um, some, doing some transformative work in our lives. Here's the thing that I want to teach you tonight. Three important things. The first point is this. It's a real simple point. Genuine repentance unlocks the door of God's mercy. Genuine repentance unlocks the door of God's mercy in our life. Here's a guy that was incredibly wicked. And God brought his judgment upon him. He brought him to Babylon. But while he was in Babylon, he was in distress. The word there means that he was broken. He was shattered because of his sinfulness. And he cries out to God in genuine repentance. Now, if you follow the rest of that chapter, he demonstrates that repentance came because what happened was, he tore down, he went back to Jerusalem, he tore down the altars, he established the kingdom of God, he destroyed all of the high places, and he led the people of God back to worship him. You see, there are two kinds of sorrow in the world. There's worldly sorrow, and there's godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow just says, I'm sorry I got caught. Godly sorrow says, I'm sorry I offended you. There's a difference between the two. In my 26 years and more of ministry, I've counseled with a lot of men and women where the man has had an affair on his wife. And, and I've counseled with those men, and they were sorry. They were sorry they were caught, some of them. And they would cry, and they would do all the behavior modification, but within a few years, they were back to the same lifestyle again. And then I've counseled with men who were genuinely broken, and the transformation that happened in their lives because of godly sorrow changed them forever. You see, when we come to a place of godly sorrow, then we experience the true mercy of God. Godly sorrow is hating your sin. One man put it this way. Godly sorrow is the vomiting of the soul. I like that. Because it says, I hate my sin. I recognize my sin. I own my sin. And not only does it offend me, but it offends a holy God. And godly sorrow changes the heart, which changes the mind, which changes the actions. He was in a prison. And when Manasseh was in a prison, it was the repentance that set him free.
Men, some of you are in a prison tonight. Some of you are in a prison because of your choices with sin. And God doesn't want you there. And God has given you the key to that cell. And the key to that cell is repentance. It is owning the sin, calling it what it is, crying out to God in brokenness and asking Him for His mercy. You see, there's a worldly sorrow that leads to death, but the godly sorrow leads to a changed life. You see, the thing we need to understand is even in our brokenness, repentance is the key that opens the door for God's mercy and deliverance. Let me give you a second point. Not only do we see genuine repentance unlocks the door of God's mercy, but secondly, uh, um, my past life does not exclude me from present service. You see, the past life of Manasseh did not exclude him from impacting the kingdom of God in the present. He could have been a slave to his past sins, but he wasn't. Instead, what does he do? He goes back to Jerusalem and he serves the Lord faithfully for the rest of his life. And sometimes what happens is when we stumble, when we fall, when we sin, when we mess up, the enemy comes ringing in our ears the lies that he tells us. And some of those lies are this. God will never use you again. You'll never be effective in the kingdom of God. You know what? You can just forget about leading your children. You can forget about leading your grandchildren. Because you've blown it. But the reality is this. In God's grace comes His mercy. And in forgiveness comes restoration. And what we saw of Manasseh was that what took place was God used him until his last breath. Several years ago, I had sitting in my office on a Tuesday afternoon. I'll never forget it. And this guy walks in. That really shocked me. I've never seen a man that big in my life. He was six foot nine. He weighed 350 pounds. He had long gray hair down past his shoulders. He had a long gray beard. His arms, both of them, were just covered in tats. He had a t-shirt with a jacket with no sleeves on it. When he walked into my office, he literally had to duck under the door jam. He comes and he walks and he sits down in front of me. And there's this big giant of a man and his face shone the years and the miles that were on them. I mean, he was a rough looking character. He sits down, his name is Robert, and he looks at me and he says, Preacher, I got one question for you. I said, okay, what is it? He says, is it true that if you die without Jesus you will go to hell. And I'm trying to figure out, how does he want me to answer this? (laughs) And I really wanted to know. (laughs) And I said, the Bible teaches that if you die without Jesus, you will be separated from God for all of eternity. And he took those big hands of his, and he buried his head in those hands, and he began to weep like a baby. And he said, preacher... I don't want to go to hell. Tell me what to do. And as I shared the gospel with Robert, I realized who he was. He was a hell's angel biker most of his life. He probably did more harm to people than we would ever know. And here's this guy crying like a baby. 
I had the opportunity to lead Robert to the Lord, had the opportunity to baptize him in a baptistry here at Scotts Hill, had the opportunity to disciple Robert and just begin to pour into his life. And he began to help the widows of our church. I mean, this guy was a giant, but he was so gentle. Christ so changed his heart. He came to me one day and he said, Preacher, I don't have much left in me. He said, I've done more harm than good in my life. How could God ever use me? And I said, well, Robert, what's the greatest thing you would like to do? And he just smiled. He said, the greatest thing I want to do is go tell my friends about Jesus. I said, well, Robert, go do that. He said, do you remember who my friends are? These are all hell's angel bikers. And I said, but they're your friends. So what he did was he got some tracks together and he got some Bibles together and he got a little card table and he took his Jeep and he went down to a Hell's Angel rally. I don't know where they do those, but he went there and he set up a little booth with tracks and Bibles and all of his friends were coming to him and he was just telling them about Jesus and how Jesus changed his life. He came back and he couldn't believe that God could use him in a way like that. Robert and his wife Penny eventually moved to Florida. I've lost track with them. But here was a guy whose most of his life was destructive. And then down at the end, God used him in an incredibly powerful way. You see, some of you may have had some failures in your own life, maybe with your marriage, maybe with your kids, maybe on the job maybe with your family. But I want you to know that in Jesus Christ, there's that grace. And you never go beyond the grace of God when you come to Jesus. And if you're a man of God, there are always opportunities for you to continue to serve God in the present, regardless of your past. Here's the last thing I want to share with you and I'll be done. My past life does not diminish my impact on others. This is really important. My past life does not diminish my impact on others. Manasseh dies. His son Ammon becomes the king. Ammon was a wicked man. It says in, in chapter 33 towards the end that as Ammon begins to take over, he rules for two years. The reason he only rules for two years is his own servants assassinate him. But he was an ungodly man. He was 22 years old when he took over. He did not follow the ways that his father Manasseh did at the end of his life. And he was worthless. He dies. Now, Manasseh spent most of his life in evil, and his son saw that. So his son followed in his father's footsteps. But when Manasseh comes to back to God and God restores him, it was probably too late for his son. But here's the interesting thing. His grandson was Josiah. And Josiah was eight years old when he became the king. Eight years old. When his dad Ammon dies, Josiah becomes the king. And under Josiah's reign, the greatest revival of Israel took place. It was under Josiah that he came to know God. It was under Josiah that the, the nation was restored to its worship of God. 
And who was it that probably had the greatest impact in Josiah's life? Manasseh. Manasseh. The last days of his life, no doubt, was spent with this little boy pouring into him, probably telling him the stories of how mean, how cruel he was. But let me tell you what my God did to change my life. And as a result, that little grandson became one of the greatest spiritual leaders that Israel has ever known. Man, I'm going to tell you this. The impact that you have is not diminished by your past. It never is. And you may have failed in the past. Some of you may have failed with your own kids, but you have grandkids now. Some of you may have failed in marriages, and maybe you're in a second marriage, and God has given you another opportunity and another chance. And the wonderful thing is this, that our past never diminishes the impact of our future. And many, many men are listening to the lies of the enemy. You failed here. God can't use you. No one will listen to you because of what you've done. Your impact is lost forever, not in the economy of God. And God's heart is for His men. It's interesting what, uh, how they train an elephant at a circus. I don't know if you've ever been to a circus, but most of them have elephants. And this giant animal is staked down by a rope and a small stake in the ground. Now, it's just one stake, and it's only driven in the ground three feet, and the chain of the rope is tied from that stake to that elephant's leg. And you will know something, that elephant could easily pull that stake out of the ground. That elephant could easily walk away from it, but he doesn't. And you want to know why? Because when he was a baby elephant, he was chained to that stake and he pulled and he pulled and he pulled and he could not pull free. So in his mind, he was always a slave to that stake. And there are a lot of times what the enemy does is he wants to bring back in our minds the things of failures and he wants us to be slaved to the past. You know what the name Manasseh means? really interesting. It was Joseph who named his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Actually, Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh means God has caused me to forget. God has caused me to forget. Men, if you're in Christ Jesus, your past is forgiven by God. If you're in Christ Jesus, Your past is forgotten by God. And the Lord Jesus wants you to walk in that grace. But the enemy comes along and he's constantly wanting us to remember the failures of our lives. He wants to take us and chain us to that stake. And God is saying, I've forgiven it. I've forgotten it. You're free in my grace. If you're here tonight without Christ, I want you to know that you can be free in Jesus. And it's in a relationship with Jesus Christ that you and I can be set free. So what do we do? What do we do with our failures? What do we do with our shortcomings? The first thing we do is this. 
Men, own your sin. Own it. Don't justify it. Don't try to talk it away. Own it. It's yours. And then repent of it. May there be a vomiting in our souls when it comes to sin. That we would say, Lord, please forgive me. When's the last time you wept over your sin? When's the last time your sin so broke your heart because you offended a loving God? The first thing we do is we repent. And there where is where the mercy of God comes. The second thing that we need to do in this is to rejoice in how God wants to use you today. He wants to use you now. And the third thing I would say is remember that you can still impact people with the life that you have left. You see, we can be a Manasseh. And the prayer would be is that God would cause us to forget those things and remember His grace. And we can walk in that and we can be free. Men, I want to encourage you to be free, to be men, to be who God has called us to be and to walk in the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ for our families, for our children, for our grandchildren, for those around us. So glad that you came tonight. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. You'll be free to be able to do whatever you'd like to do to continue to fellowship. I think we have some s'mores that if you want to go have s'mores and marshmallows and stuff like that, we got the fire going. Please hang around. Thank you so much for being here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for these men. I pray, Father, that you would challenge our own hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. It's great to see all of you here. Thank you for joining us on the Scotts Hill Podcast. Thank you to those who continue to give generously to this ministry. If you want more information about Scotts Hill, how to get connected in your community, or want to know more about Jesus, visit www.scottshill.org podcast for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe to get notifications of future episodes. You can also share it with your friends via text message or take a screenshot and post it on your social media stories. Make sure to tag us at Scotts Hill. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.